Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. He is risen. He is risen Amen. Okay. So today as we um, celebrate the resurrection, we do celebrate the resurrection and what it means for our faith and for our life. And we've been looking at John's gospel as we prepare for today, build up to this day. John chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 28. Jesus had been crucified. He had gone through the whole ordeal of the cross. It's about to end. Verse 28, John 19. Later, knowing that all was now completed so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was right there. So they soaked a sponge. They dipped the wine. They dipped a sponge in that wine vinegar. They put it on the stalk of a hyssop plant branch, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received that drink, here's what Jesus said. And I think this is a pretty powerful statement. I don't think it was just you know bowing his head and saying, "Oh, it's finally over. It's finished." I think he said, "It is finished." And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You know, I thought about that thing. It is finished. I thought about how the Father sent Jesus on a mission to save people from sin. He, he is eternal God. And the Father sent him on a mission to save us from sin. And so he becomes literally a helpless baby. He lives for 30 years. He changes the world. The Romans nail him to a cross. While he's on the cross, God the Father in heaven puts the garbage of my life in the garbage of your life, sin, in his holy body. All that garbage, all that sin is in this holy man. See, I'm not holy. I, 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 I'm not without sin. I can't even, I can't, I can't get it, I can't conceive of that. So all my sin, all your sin, everybody says in his holy body. He's on that cross. While he's on that cross, God shuts out the lights. There's a supernatural darkness. And I heard Charles Stanley say this Friday afternoon, he said, he said, in that one moment, every bit of wrath God had against sin, every bit of wrath God the Father had against sin was funneled. Now, you've got to think about this, man. Funneled on that cross. It all mm, emptied like a giant laser on him. No wonder. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Folks, he asked the why question. Nobody ever went through that anguish. Nobody. Not was over. Mission accomplished. He says it is finished. Isn't that great? And he died. Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus lay him in a tomb. This kind of a cave hewn out of rock. They wrap him in grave clothes. That's important. The clothes are important. We'll see that in a minute. They do a quick embalming job because the Jewish Sabbath began at 6 o'clock that evening. The Jewish Sabbath law says you can't work on the Sabbath, so they had to do a quick embalming job. And all of his followers are, you know, it's like somebody pulled a rug out from under him. I mean, he, he, he's the, he, he told us he was the promised Messiah. I mean, he told us he was the fulfillment of all those prophecies and promises in the Old Testament scriptures, and, and, and messiahs don't die like that. 
How would you feel? And they all mourn. Like the ground, like I said, like the rug was pulled out from under him. He said, where does our life go from here? And so there he lays. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Sabbath's over. A bunch of women come to the tomb to finish the embalming job. And three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke mention a bunch of women, Mary Magdalene, another Mary, Salome, and so on. But understand that this is God's Word, and God the Holy Spirit inspired this. Then the Spirit wanted the writer John, the Gospel writer John, to focus not on all those other women. The focus is not the other women. The focus in John's Gospel is just this lady, Mary Magdalene. It's going to focus on Mary Magdalene. The other women obviously came to the tomb. The other Gospels tell us this, but John is focusing intensely on Mary. And we read in 1 and 2 of John 20, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, saw the stone had been moved away, and so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. That's John, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken my Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. Now I need to stop here and say, what do we know about Mary Magdalene? I read Luke 8, chapter 2, and it tells me that Jesus drove seven demons out of her. I mean, good grief, how evil is a demon? I mean, there were seven demons in this lady. I mean, what, what evil things did those demons make Mary Magdalene do? And he drove them out. And listen, he gave her a new life. He gave her back her life. And she, I mean, he was her life, and she loved him for it. No wonder she's going to weep and mourn at the tomb. I mean, Jesus was her everything, and some people like to make Mary Magdalene out to be the seductive lady who had a thing for Jesus. That is absolutely ridiculous. He changed her life, and she loved him with the same love we have for Jesus Christ because he changed our lives and gave us everything. So she comes to the tomb, it's empty. I mean, like I said, she's baffled. She runs to, she runs to the disciples. And it, listen, it says she ran to Peter and John. So Peter and the other disciple, that's John, started to the tomb. And both were running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he bent over. Now listen to this. He looked in at the strips of linen lying there, this neatly lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived, and he went into the tomb, see? He kind of just burst in. And he saw strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth. I like this. The burial cloth around Jesus' head was folded up neatly by itself, separate from the linen. And finally, John himself, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. Those clothes are kind of neat. These two disciples see these grave cloths laying there, okay? And there was, you know, they're just lying there as if they had been wrapped around him. There was no evidence of a struggle. He's not struggling to get out of these things. He's not grunting and groaning like Harry Houdini trying to get out of a straitjacket or something like that. He just passed out of them, see, in a glorified, resurrected body. He just passed out of those babies. And he even stopped to be neat to fold a headcloth like he fold a towel and lay it aside. Now the scene shifts back to Mary. And this, this is really a touching story. She stood outside the entrance to the tomb, and she's in tears. John chapter 20, verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, Seated where Jesus had been, one on the head, the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. Well, stop there. Now, remember, she's heartbroken. 
And you might say the wind is out of her sails. He was her savior, Messiah. I mean, she committed her life to him. Now he's dead. And she's not even allowing the possibility that he may be alive. Maybe somebody moved the body, she thought. Now, no sooner had she finished talking to the angels than she turns around. Verse 14. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Remember, he had a glorified body that passed out of those grave clothes. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, gardener or the caretaker of the cemetery, she said, sir, this is neat. Little Mary Magdalene, I don't know what she weighed. I don't think she was a big dude. You know, I just think she was kind of frail, you know. She says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I'll go get him. She was going to lug his body. I'm guessing his body was about 170, 80 pounds, and she was going to go get that body and lug it back. And then Jesus said, and this is so precious, he said, Mary. He said, Mary, see. Calls, him by, calls her by name. You know, I'm thinking, I, I wish I were there. I wish I could just observe this. I wish I, I wish I could have heard his voice at that moment. There had to be such tenderness in his voice. He just said, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And she grabbed him. I, I, I'll tell you. Can you hear that voice, folks? I mean, your heart's broken over something. You're so troubled at something. And he knows you by name. And he calls you by name. He knows you. I mean, that is just so precious. This is your risen Lord, and there's such tenderness in his voice. Man, I think to myself, what went through Mary Magdalene's mind? Maybe I don't get all this. All I know is he's alive and he's here. And she falls to her knees and worship and hugs his legs. Well, I don't know if she hugged his legs. I saw that in a Sunday school book a while ago. But what was going through this lady's mind? Someone dead that she loved, she loved dearly is alive. Now, here's something neat. Je Jesus beat death. But these are passages. I hope you have your Bible. If not, listen real close. And the NIV is good here. Ephesians 2.4. And you've got to know this. And this is, the, this is the great thing about the resurrection, okay? Jesus is alive, and we are totally identified with him. Notice all the with hymns here. Now, man, put this in your heart, all of you who fear death. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, meaning the Father, who is rich in mercy. Now, look at this. Get this now. Mark this. You got a pencil? God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. See, the victory isn't only his. Let me read this again. God the Father, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Now here it comes again. And God raised us up with Christ. You got that? Mark that. God raised us up. It's, as if, it's almost as if you're alive in heaven right now. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with, see that, with him in the heavenly realms. You know what that word of God says? It's got to blow you away. It means right now, if you play, have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are as good as risen from the dead and seated in the heavenly places with him. And so the victory isn't only his, it's ours. John 14, 19, Jesus Christ said, because I live, you shall live also. Listen, folks, one thing the resurrection teaches us is this. 
that we have to deal with the reality of death, okay? And when you got a passage like that going for you, you can deal with the reality of death. Have you dealt with the reality of death? Some people see resurrection from death in different ways. You know what I find? I find, and I hear this on the radio a lot too from other preachers, that more and more people are, are believing in reincarnation. That's one view toward death. That's an Eastern India, that, that, that's an Eastern philosophy. And in today's culture where so many are inclusive, everybody's religion is right, I can understand that. I can understand why reincarnation is so popular. See, other people believe when you're dead, you're dead. You know, with me, which means life is, um, I mean, this life is all about pleasure and all about comfort. I was reading 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, and I was reading 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, and Paul says, if Christ be not raised, let's live out this philosophy of life. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we shall die if Christ is not raised. See, if, 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 if when you're dead, you're dead, and we call that annihilationism. If when you're dead, you're dead, and that's all there is to life. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you shall die. You can live that out. And there's no accountability if that's true. I mean, who wants to be accountable to God? Who wants to answer to a holy and just God for your life? I told a guy in Henry Ford Hospital on 19 Mile Road not too long ago. Well, I told him about the way to salvation. And he comes back to me and he says, he says, well, you're a pastor. If anybody's going to heaven, you're going to heaven. I says, talk to my wife. <laughs> I said, I do try and spend most of my days trying to somehow benefit other people. But I told him, I also pity myself. I, you know, man, I go on my pity parties. I do my oh, poor me thing. And I, um, I, I, I shut people out of my life sometimes because I have my own thing going. And I pull out in front of people in traffic, too, and make them say not too nice things. And maybe cause an accident because I'm in a hurry. And it's all about me. And a thousand other sins. But the deal is, and I told him this, I believe in my heart. No good thing can I offer the Father for my salvation. I believe that. I rest completely on Jesus Christ, who paid the debt of my sins. And I accept perfectly. I know, and I accept the perfect life and death of Christ for me. And I say, yes, I'm not afraid to stand before a holy and just God, and I'm not. You see, people like to just Forget that. They don't want to stand before a holy and just God. I, listen, folks, you and me as believers, we can look forward to the day. I look forward to the day Jesus welcomes me and gives me a great big bear hug and says, I've been waiting for you. You know, death is so bad. You know what the Bible says? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. Psalm 16. Fight, you know what? I, I'm, you may die this horrible death, and the second you die, he's going to be there and say, finally. Here you are, child, big bear. Won't that be great? I mean, if you're going through some horrible death, you think about that. Jesus Christ can say, finally, why'd it take so long? I just want you home with me, baby. He can tell me, well done, you good and faithful servant. Then there's tons of people who look at death and say it equals heaven. Everybody goes there. Everybody goes, as if God is not a just God. Come on. Yeah, you know, I think about the way my Savior died. And you know what I think about? I think about how they, how they nailed him to a horizontal bar. They took that horizontal bar and they nailed his hands to it. They put nails here and they put nails here. Then a couple of guys get some ropes and they hoist that up onto the vertical bar. There's nerves right here. Think that hurt? All the pain he went through. And if we for a minute just think we just 
die and go to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. Isn't that saying, well, um, thanks, Je excuse me, thanks, Jesus, for doing that. Thank well, thanks for going through. Th thanks for going through all that. Thanks for going through all that pain. But, you know, Jesus, I can handle this on myself. I can handle it on my own. Everybody goes to heaven. No big deal. Thanks for doing that, but you didn't need to. Isn't that the highest insult? To God. Isn't that like slapping him right in the face? Hey, listen. All those philosophies toward death, deal with death. Deal with it. Deal with what happens when you die. We're looking at attitude today, our attitude toward life. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb thinking he's dead. Where does my life go from here? And she's kind of peering into the empty tomb of two angels. And G is very much alive, says in 2015 of John. Woman, he said, Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And she didn't recognize him as a, 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 in his risen, glorified body. And she thought he was the caretaker of the seminary. But when he tenderly called her by name, Mary, her fight, just, just joy surged into that lady's heart. Listen, she had a reason to live and a reason to die. At that moment, man, you know, there was such joy in her heart. She had a reason to live and a reason to die. And you need to look at this. We would not do justice to Easter Sunday unless we look at 1 Corinthians 15. And I just want to read verse 17. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 17. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Now, 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 hold on to that. If Christ isn't raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Now, let's go back over that, see? He says, if Christ isn't raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. You know what that means? Why make denials for your faith? Why, why, why live the Christian life? Why make any sacrifices? It's all futile. It's all hopeless. You're spinning your wheels. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, and those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. You raise your kids. You pour yourself into your kids or into somebody so that they know Jesus Christ and they die in the faith and you're rejoicing. But if Christ isn't raised from the dead... They're all lost, so what's the use? And then don't you love this? If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. If it's only for this life, amen. Then you get to that wonderful but. But Christ has indeed been raised by the Father from the dead. Would you look at that word first fruits? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I love the way he refers to death, fallen asleep. And that word first fruits means guarantee. Every time you see that, just replace it with the word guarantee. He is the guarantee of everyone else who has fallen asleep. The guarantee of our eternal life. Now, folks, here's what that do mean. That means our life is moving a direction. This word of God is saying, God's word is saying, this is how you see life. It has meaning, it has purpose, it has direction. Your life is not cyclical. What does it mean, cyclical? In a circle. You don't know how many people are out there who see life as cyclical. Going around like this, in a circle, it's going where? Nowhere. What's my life about? There's people today who are here right now who live a cyclical life. They have no idea where it's going. That's why God put in the Bible the book of Ecclesiastes to show us a guy whose life was going like this. 
And here's what it says, verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything, Ecclesiastes 1, 2, is meaningless. Wow. What does a man gain from all his labor? Hey, with no hope of the resurrection, that's how you think. Jump down to verse 8. All things are wearisome. Verse 9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Dear God, what a philosophy of life. Some of you people here are living that. Seriously. It's not going meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. You see, here's what we have, folks. Our life is not a circle. It is not cyclical. It is, here's a word, linear. What's the direction? It's going toward eternal life with Jesus, see? He is the guarantee, the first fruits of eternal life. You're not going in a circle wondering what's, what it's about. Now, here's the big deal about that. Everything you do, the smallest detail, has meaning and purpose. Everything, everything. He's earned your salvation as a loving response to that. Everything you do is for his glory. Every little detail is for his glory. Every little detail has meaning. And all those folk who are living a sick, circular, cyclical life, they can't say that. If you're a believer, I don't care what it is, every little thing you do has meaning. All that little stuff. You do it for him. You know what you know? You know that he gave you everything in life. You know that he's present everywhere, that he knows everything, sees everything. He sees you. He's not looking to hammer you into the ground. He just loves you and knows and sees everything you're doing. He gave you your life, everything that's important. As a loving response to him, everything has meaning. Everything, everything. Nothing is meaningless. It's how you see life. You know, I'll tell you a great passage. Colossians 3. This is verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. He is the God of the future, but he's also the God of the present. You've got to know that. And he lives in us. This is doctrine. You've got to know this, man. You, gotta, you, can't, you, can't, you can't apply this to life unless you know the doctrine behind it. This is Romans 8, beginning in verse 9. The Apostle Paul says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Holy Spirit. And if the Spirit of God, that's God the Father, lives in you, so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father living in you, and if anyone does not have, listen now, the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead, yet your spirit is alive, and so on. You know what he just said? He just said the Holy Spirit in every believer is the spirit of God the Father and the spirit of God the Son. And that's kind of hard doctrine, but it's saying that all of God by the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's what it's saying. That is a fantastic, that's a mind-boggling thought. That all of God is living in me. Do I understand that? Goodness, no. But it's truth. It's in the Bible. Our risen Lord lives in us, and he can resurrect the dead parts of our lives. So what's dead in you? How about this? You don't care. Nothing interests you. 
you've lost your passion for life. See, folks, this is where prayer comes in. You don't, that, you don't have to live like that, see. I mean, I mean this, you, you, you call out to your Father in heaven and you say, Father, I'm just blah. Ever say that? I have no incentive. Put the life back in me. You cry out to him and you believe, you believe, you believe he hears and he's answering and then you anticipate his answers. What's died in you? Maybe your love for somebody. And you say, I don't feel love for him or her anymore. Let me tell you how the Lord Jesus Christ living in you resurrects that. You start meeting every need of this person. You say, I don't feel love for them anymore. You start meeting every need they have and start putting your need before their own. And that is biblical love. You start doing what Christ did and loving biblical and you watch the feelings return. But you got to do that first. How many people say the passion is gone? I don't feel love for them anymore. That's where commitment takes over. But I want to tell you something. You start, you just start serving that person, husband, wife, anybody. And you watch the Lord resurrect those feelings. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.